Hi, I'm Mark, and welcome to Words of Truth. You know, as followers of Christ, there's a great danger of us thinking that maybe God will bless us to a greater degree than everyone else. Almost like being a spoiled child of a billionaire who gives us everything we want and even what we didn't ask for. And then, when we don't get what we asked for, we complain that maybe God doesn't care or doesn't love us or somehow neglecting us. And then we start to complain to God about not taking care of us. I think you can relate. This is the case in Jeremiah in chapter 12. The prophet Jeremiah is talking to God about the plight of God's people. And he starts out by telling God his complaint in verse 1. He says, you are always righteous, Lord, when I bring a case before you. Yet I would speak with you about your justice. Why does the wicked way of the wicked prosper? Why do all the faithless live at ease? I want you to notice how Jeremiah concedes the righteous acts of God. He's not calling God out in any way. But he has a lot of good questions about how God runs things. In the same way we have questions today. And he says, God, I, I, just, I just need to talk to you about your justice and why you do what you do. Have you ever asked God that question? Boy, I know I sure have. And here's the question on Jeremiah's mind. God, why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do all the faithless live at ease? Now, there's a loaded question, isn't it? Jeremiah is looking around at his world, and he can't figure out why those who walk contrary to God and his commands, people who don't put their faith in God, seem to not only prosper, but they're living in ease. They're moving forward, their business is succeeding, their net worth grows by the day, and they're living, like we might say, high on the hog. And yet, what confuses Jeremiah and us is they don't even acknowledge God. On the, on the other hand, there are people, including Jeremiah himself, who are serving God, who love God, they're faithful to him. And yet they're going through a terrible time. They aren't prospering like the wicked are. They're being persecuted for their faith. And he just can't come to terms with why that's happening. Now, when we think about this, we have to admit it's not true that every Christian isn't prospering. Well, we know there are some Christians who are immensely prosperous in what they're doing. And we praise God for that. But Jeremiah is talking in general terms. And maybe the question has more to do with why the wicked are prospering so much than why believers aren't prospering. Well, the prophet goes on to say in verse 2, You have planted them, and they have taken root. They grow and bear fruit. You are always on their lips but far from their hearts. You see, he's pondering how it is that God was the one who planted the wicked, and yet they don't even acknowledge that he exists. Now, I plant a little garden beside our house this year. I do every year. I do it mostly to see things grow. It's not much of a garden. We could never sustain ourselves from what it produces, 
but it's fun to plant and to watch to grow. Now, I'm the one who plants the garden. I plant the seed in the ground. I take the little seedlings and gently plant their roots. I'm the one who puts down the fertilizer. I water those plants. And I put it that way because that's what Jeremiah is saying that God did with these wicked people. Now, plants can't talk. They can't communicate or worship like we can. So I don't expect any praise from my garden, except that maybe they produce some fruit. But Jeremiah says that the wicked are producing fruit, but God is far from their hearts. Listen to how the message translates this verse. It puts it this way. Why do bad people have it so good? Why do con artists make it big? You planted them, and they put down roots. They flourished and produced fruit. They talk as if they're old friends with you, but they don't. They couldn't care less about you. Isn't that how we feel about people sometimes? Why, God? Why them? They don't love you. They don't acknowledge you. They don't care about you, and yet they flourish. He even says uh, to God in the last part of verse 3, drag them off like sheep for the slaughter and set them apart for a day of, of, of carnage. <laughs> you know what he's doing? He's actually asking God to kill these wicked people. Now, come on, is that even a legitimate prayer? I mean, as much as I've been annoyed with certain people, I've never asked God to kill them. He's pretty passionate about this. And the problem with his theology is that they concluded that the blessing that was promised to them has somehow landed on the doorsteps of the wrong people. And I think the lesson we can find here is to never be jealous over the blessings God gives to somebody else. Because what God has for you is for you. And he's never going to deliver your mail to somebody else's house. In fact, we ought to be praising God because if God blesses your neighbor, guess what? Means he's in the neighborhood. You might be next. He continues in verse four by saying, How long is the land to mourn and the vegetation of the countryside to wither? For the wickedness of those who dwell in it, animals and birds have been snatched away because men have said, he will not see our latter ending. You see, they're spewing out an erroneous theology that is a theology that has frankly permeated our society today that said God judges a nation because of the wickedness of sinners. But you know, the reality is that sinners don't have a choice but to be sinners. Did you know that? God doesn't judge a nation because of the sin of sinners. Sinners sin, and there isn't any way for a sinner not to sin, except if Jesus comes into their life and makes a change in their life. If it isn't for Christ who comes in and makes us into a new creation, well, sinners just keep on sinning. No, God doesn't judge a nation because of sinners. He judges a nation because of the wickedness of the so-called saint. Judgment starts at the house of God. And it's because 
of people who are righteous who won't do the right thing. The good news is that when we sell out to Christ, he'll break every chain of bondage in our lives and he'll bring us deliverance. Now, there's a shift that happens in verse five. I guess God gets tired of listening to Jeremiah talk. (laughs) He gives a reply and he says this, if you have run with footmen and they have tired you out, then how can you compete with horses? If you fall down in a land of peace, how will you do in the thicket of the Jordan? Now, what kind of a question is that? Well, in Jeremiah's time, when one nation attacked another nation, they would start the war off with foot, foot soldiers. Foot soldiers. Now, the foot soldiers weren't the strongest, they weren't the fastest, they weren't the best equipped, but there were a whole lot of them. They would send in thousands of foot soldiers for the sole purpose of thinning out those they were attacking. And God is saying to Jeremiah that you're complaining about foot soldiers because after the foot soldiers, the better equipped, the stronger soldiers on horses would come in. And so God is reprimanding them for complaining about things that were light compared to what might be coming. They were complaining about things that didn't even matter that much. You see, what they were complaining about wasn't anything compared to what might be coming later on. And you know, a lot of times what we tend to complain about today in life are just foot soldiers. In reality, God is using all these little things to prepare us for what's coming in the future. And the foot soldiers are an indication that we're headed in the right direction and that the devil is trying to send distractions to beat us down and keep us from going where God wants us to go. It's an indication that God is about to do something big in our lives. When it feels like all hell is breaking out in your life, you know what? It's just an indication that you're headed in the right direction. You see, foot soldiers are precursors to horsemen. Something better is coming. Horses are strong. They're fast. They can run long distances. They can run in the warm and the cold weather. Horses will win against a man every time. In other words, it's God's expectations that we can't contend with the horses. But God is going to give us the ability and the strength to be able to do what we can't do in our own strength and power. God gives us the strength to do what we aren't qualified to do. Ask yourself, what are you doing today that you never felt like you'd ever be able to do, but that God has placed you there and you're doing it because God has enabled you to do it? You see, you're running with the horses. And so here's the message God left for Jeremiah and that I think he's telling us today. Stop worrying and complaining about the footmen. Start running with the horses. Watch and see the doors that God will open up for you. 
And then he will enable you to do by his power and his strength. Start running with the horses. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.